Welcome to Everyday Endeavors, a Christian podcast where we talk about becoming more like Christ in our everyday lives. Regardless of ethnicity, age, or sex, this podcast walks through the various aspects of life, whereby we try to mature like Christ daily. I am your host, Osasri Mafidan, and welcome to Season 2. Hello, everyone. Oh my gosh! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Suited Up, a series on the armor of God. It's the last episode, guys. Oh my, it's really the last two spiritual gifts of Suited Up, of the armor pieces of God in Ephesians 6. Uh, I can't believe it! I can't believe it! So in today's last Suited Up episode, we're going to be looking at, obviously, the last two sets of armor pieces and the revelations that come with them. So as you know, we're going to be talking about the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. In Ephesians 6, 17, we see that it says, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. So what are the definitions of put on salvation as your helmet? What are they? So when we look at the word put on, it actually means to place something on one's body, to put on a jacket, right? It's I'm putting something on myself. Salvation. The deliverance of the soul from sin and its consequences. And then a helmet. A helmet is a hard covering with a padded protective interior. The outside is hard, but the inside is is, is padded as a form of protection. Both the outside and the inside actually work to protect the brain. So what does put on salvation as your helmet mean? So put on, like we said, place something on yourself, which is salvation. It's saying that salvation is a choice. It is a part of God's wonderful free will. You choose it. So when the Bible is saying put on salvation, it's saying put on yourself salvation. Choose for yourself salvation. And the thing about salvation is because you choose it, because you put it on, What comes with salvation is so powerful. You've now made this choice to believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. He's like, he died on the cross and he rose again on the third day, right? And now because you believe that in your heart, it comes with benefits. It's the same thing that I referred to in the breastplate of God's righteousness. Righteousness is a result of our salvation, And because of the powerful benefits it has, like eternal life, righteousness, it allows um, passage into the the fight, which is the second episode of Suited Up. It, It gives us confidence in the battlefield. We have authority over the enemy. When our name is written in the book of life, it's written in the book of life. Because we have all these benefits, God knew that it had to be accompanied with something that could not be easily broken when things attacked it. Like the point of a helmet is to withstand the pressure of the outside 
world, the outside lies, anything to protect what is on the inside. Our salvation is you know that you are now a daughter or son of God in Christ, but you have to maintain that relationship with God. Because if you don't maintain that relationship with God, if you don't put on that helmet, you are susceptible to all manner of things. Why did your mom and dad urge you to wear a helmet when you were riding a bike? Why does the law enforce and make it illegal to drive a motorcycle without a helmet? And why did God put salvation and a helmet together? It's because if our salvation is under attack, it has the ability to break our entire relationship with God. It's because if we don't put our helmet while we're riding the bike, it has the ability to fracture our skull, impede our brain. It's because if we don't wear a helmet when we're driving on our motorcycle, we have the ability to harm ourselves and other people on the highway. So the reference of a helmet is also connected to the, the reference of the brain. Because what the helmet is protecting in the physical is our brain. And salvation can be interpreted as a brain because our salvation is the precipice, is the, is the, the, the house, it's the, what is it, nuclei? Not nuclei. It's the membrane? Y'all, I didn't do so well in science. It's the powerhouse of our cells. There we go. Is the powerhouse of our body. Is the powerhouse of our total existence in Christianity. That's what salvation is. That's why it's so powerful. There is no, I'm coming into a relationship with God without being saved. It don't work, baby. So that's why we can see the interpretation and the beautiful symbolism between the helmet, the brain, and salvation. Imagine if your brain was under attack. Let's not say imagine you. I don't speak that over anyone in Jesus' name. Imagine someone's brain was under attack and someone was intentionally trying to hurt that person's physical brain. What usually happens if they succeed is two things. That person's brain is either completely dead, completely loses function, which means that person dies, or that person is clinically declared brain dead. In the same way, when we do not like maintain our relation, we do not put on the helmet of salvation, when we do not put salvation as our helmet, when we do not protect the pivotal part of our whole beginning stage of relationship with God, what happens is that we either leave the light and go towards darkness, where we have when we spiritually die, or we live a lukewarm life where we know about the light, so we're not dead but we are unable to walk in it. So we don't have full mobility. God, this is serious stuff. This is serious stuff. You have to put on salvation as your helmet. It ain't no joke. This is the, the taking care of maintaining of your relationship with God. This is understanding that, yo, if I don't protect my salvation, and I'm not saying like you're, I'm protecting your salvation in the sense that, if I don't protect my salvation, I'm going to hell. No. What I'm talking about is what salvation allows you to do is relationship with God. If you don't protect your relationship with God, you're going to slip, baby. You're going to slip. 
And when you slip, you start looking more like the world and less like Christ. Like I said before, the brain is such a significant part of the body. It is where literally everything flows from. Our, every, our coming, I can't, I hope I, like I'm really, this is really, you know, making sense. Our salvation is where everything flows from. Because you gave your life to God, now you have these benefits. Because you gave your life to God, now you have purpose. Because you gave your life to God, now you can see the world differently. So there's a significance in our salvation. And there's a significance in maintaining the relationship that we have with God. And if we do not protect it intentionally, if we do not intentionally put something to protect it, which is prayer, fellowship with other God-fearing Christians, fasting when God calls you to, worshiping Him, reading the Word daily, our salvation may be under attack. And if we don't protect it, if we don't put on the helmet, we might be letting it be attacked slipping away from God without even knowing it because this whole like okay I'm gonna do it sometimes not it's not gonna cut it it's not gonna cut it for generational breaking generational curses it's not gonna cut it for going into a godly relationship it's not gonna cut it for the career that God has called you it's not going to cut it it's a consistent relationship with God and if we're going into the battlefield because every day is a battle the spirit and our flesh they're constantly fighting constantly not monthly. This is not your Netflix subscription. Not bi-weekly. This is not your paycheck. This is daily. They're fighting each other daily. So when you wake up in the morning, it's a battle between your spirit and your flesh. And I'm not trying to scare anyone. I'm just telling you the truth. So in the same way, if there's a battle between your spirit and your flesh, you have to make sure you're equipped every single day. Are you going to get it perfectly every day? No. But in the same way, we still have to equip ourselves we still have to be in our relationship with God actively seeking him because if we seek him that's us putting on our helmet every single day so this is all to say that we must continuously put on our salvation as our helmet but what we have to protect when we're talking about protecting your salvation is the helmet is our relationship with God because if we do not we can slip back into patterns that he once delivered us from. Just like our brains, we do not want to be spiritually dead. Okay. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> do you find it difficult to read the Bible and pray? Everyday endeavors suggest godly accountability. We're having an accountability partner actually helps you stay accountable. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. So now we're going to do Soul of the Spirit, the very, well, second to last slash last, spiritual armor piece. Oh, this is so exciting. So what does the sword mean? Sword. A weapon with a long metal blade and a halt with a hand guard. Used for thrusting or striking. Spirit. Word of God. <laughs> Again, like faith, I love that God was like, I need to make it very clear. So that my children and their crazy interpretation sometimes do not mess this up. The sword equals word of God. I like that. Thank you, God. 
I love this one so much because it makes me feel gangster. You know what I'm saying? It makes me feel like <laughs> if the enemy wants to rustle and tussle, I'm ready. If the enemy wants to rustle and tussle, I'm ready. Okay. So if you've ever been like, God, I want to hurt the enemy. The way he's misused and played my life or the way he's misused and played my friend's life, I'm going to hurt him. This spiritual armor piece is for you. Obviously, all of them are for you and you have to use them all together. Of all the spiritual armor pieces listed by Paul, the sword is the only offensive weapon that God says we can use against the enemy. All the other pieces are used for personal defense. All the other ones are to protect you. God knows us. He knows that we, we play too much. Sometimes we're like, we're too eager. I want to kill him. I want to kill him. I want to kill him. You know, the devil that we kind of forget everything else. So, so this armor piece was solely created for the purpose of fighting. For the purpose of harming another in a place of bringing them down to receive our victory. And one of my friends actually told me that like a sword can also be used to block one of the attacks of the enemy. That's important to know. And like the sword, it gets its power from, you know, the sharpness of it, the blade itself, like you really dusting on somebody it's going to cut them. It's so, it's so sharp that it has the ability to penetrate somebody or something in the same way. The, the power that comes from, the, the sword in the spiritual sense is the word of God. And we see that in the Bible, the word of God is empowered by, by God, the Holy Spirit, right? It says in 2 Timothy 3 verses 16a, all scripture is inspired by God. So how then can it not be powerful? If it's the same God that spoke, let there be light and the light obeyed. But it's the same God that created the heavens and the earth. The same God that created you. God is powerful. And if God himself is powerful and the word that he speaks is powerful, we can see why the word of God is powerful and why the word of God can harm and, and, and defeat the enemy solely. I hope that makes sense to somebody. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> So let's look at another example. Let's look at an example that I think will clear up and make a lot more sense um, to some people. Jesus. Whenever we're talking about the power of the word of God, we always look at the example of Jesus in Matthew 4. So let's read Matthew 4 verses 3 to 11. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scripture says people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off, just jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even harm your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, the scripture also say, you must not test the Lord your God. 
Next, the devil took him to the peak of the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve and serve only him. Then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. Now, there is so much juice in this scripture. And I feel like, man, maybe if, you know, if God permits or God gives me instruction to like talk about this specific scripture, we're going to go crazy. But there's so much power and there's so much truth in here. And the main thing we're taking from this is that when the enemy was coming against Jesus, Jesus didn't say, let's fight. Jesus used the word of God against the enemy. It wasn't. Let me use my human words. Enemy, leave me alone. I'm f- I've been fasting for 40 days. I'm very hungry. Leave me alone. No. No. Rather, Jesus faced the situation head on. And this is for people who think that if I ignore the enemy, if I ignore the attacks, they'll go away. They're not. This is a spiritual force, a principality that is trying to come against you and your destiny, trying to come against you and your lineage, trying to come against you and the purpose that God has put in your life. So we're not running away from it. Jesus didn't run away from it. Jesus was bold with his statements. He knew scripture. He wasn't shy with it. So in the same way, we're seeing that when we're faced with temptations, when we're faced with battles, when we're faced with accolades and everyone, people trying to put us up, just use scripture. Not words, but the living word of God. So we must too. (laughs) If Jesus is supposed to be our role model, our model, our standard, why don't we do what he did? He used scripture. I'm going to use scripture. He didn't run away. I'm not going to run away. He had scripture memorized. What Jesus spoke from in his weakness, where it came from, was from the remembrance, the memorization, and the, and the revelation of what he learned and practiced in his youth. So I got to be memorizing scripture now, 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 now. Tomorrow's too late. It's now. And we also see that in this, in this passage, Jesus didn't sit in his mind. It didn't say after the devil said, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. And then, and then Jesus thought, no. And then Jesus told him in the same way, babes, you got to open your mouth and speak. Speak against depression and anxiety. Speak against sexual immorality. If the thoughts are in your mind, don't be trying to relieve yourself from being horny in your mind, baby. It's not going to work. You have to open your mouth and say, I will not defile myself. How then can I do this great wickedness against God? You have to say it with your chest. Even if you're public and you have to whisper just a little loud. But you have to say it with your chest. Does it still count in our mind? Absolutely. But there is power in opening your mouth. There's power in saying it with fervency out loud. 
And in the practical sense, what this is just, what God is saying so saliently with every single one of these spiritual armor pieces is that we need to read the word. We need to read the word. I need to have scripture in the back of my mind and my heart that when temptations or lies come, I can confidently tell the enemy what God has said in his word. So opening up your mouth and killing the destructive things in your life is important. If the enemy ever says to you, God cannot love you. Because if God loved you, first of all, he would not be giving you these trials and tribulations. And second of all, he can't love you because of what you did. You say, bet. Lamentations 3, 23. Certainly the faithful love of God hasn't ended. Certainly God's compassion isn't through. They are renewed every morning. Great is your faithfulness. What's up? When the enemy lies and tells you you're filthy. Oh my gosh, your sin? Mm, you could never be righteous. You say 1 John 3, 7. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous even as Christ is righteous. If the enemy comes or you're thinking in your mind or you're just in a, like you just feel like, oh, everything is overwhelming and you feel so worried. Remind yourself, Philippians 4, 6 to 7. Don't worry about anything, babes. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. If you doubt in your heart that God will come through or do what he said he will do, remind your heart. Luke 1, 37, for the word of God will never fail. If the enemy says to you, you're not truly saved, how do you know you're saved? You, you, th there's no way you're saved. You used to smoke and drink. You had sex with like 16 people. There's no way you're saved. You say, John 10, 28. Jesus said, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What's up? And if you ever have a thought that you are powerless, that you are weak, tell yourself, 2 Corinthians 12 verses 10b, for when I am weak, then I am strong. I feel like it's time for us to stop being violent with humans and start being violent with the enemy. And we see how in, the, in, in that scripture in Matthew 4, how after Jesus used scripture to fight the devil off multiple times, he left. It didn't say, and then the devil continued for 17 more tries. No, after a certain time, the devil has to leave. And in certain areas, he can't come back. So we have to do it with power, we have to do it with fervency. What is put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God? What does it mean together? Because this is one sentence. I believe it means to continuously win in the battle, in the spiritual realm. We have to keep our relationship with God consistent. We have to maintain that relationship with God through all the things I've listed above. Learning scripture and fighting from the wisdom and knowledge of the word. Putting on our salvation as a helmet and then taking the sword of the spirit, it protects us both inwardly and outwardly. I love that these two are last because it's kind of, it's, it's a beautiful combination of what we've just been doing for the past couple of months. It's a beautiful reminder that at the end of it all, our salvation is what started this whole journey and the word is what will finish the enemy. So I absolutely love it. 
And as we're coming to a close, we obviously cannot forget prayer. It says in Ephesians 6, 18, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Like the fruit of the spirit, it goes together. You don't pick and choose one. The belt of truth, breastplate of God's righteousness, shoes of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, they go together in addition with prayer. So to conclude this series, I will leave you with this. The reason we need the belt of truth, the breastplate of God's righteousness, the shoes of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, prayer, is so that we can be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Because we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so we will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Ephesians 6, 11 to 13. I cannot believe that this assignment that God gave me has come to an end. It's done, guys. It is done. But I just want to note before I leave that just because this series is ending with this episode specifically does not mean that what we're doing here, the spiritual armor pieces, all, all seven of them, does not mean that it's over. This battle is still going. It's still consistent. It's every day. After you're done listening, the battle continues. In the same way, you have to hold on to every spiritual armor piece because it continues. So thank you guys so, so much for listening. Obviously, the recommendation is we're reading the word, praying, disobeying God in this season. I just implore you, read Ephesians 6. Read it for yourself and see what he does through you. So, <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast series. I really, really appreciate it. You guys are the best. I pray that God adds to your life. I pray that this, this, this be an additive to your life. I pray that in the place of battle, you are fully equipped and that you never succumb to the attacks of the enemy. I pray that this is only the beginning of your spiritual victories day in and day out. Now go, live out your life as a creation of God <laughs> in your everyday endeavors. Bye, everyone. Here are some bloopers from this episode. Okay. <coughs> energy, energy, energy. Um, this is not the guy on Instagram that's been texting you for a month talking about, hey, beautiful African cocoa bean. I, <laughs> I give myself away. Some of our parents are a little crazy. <laughs> Hashtag if you grew up in a seasoned home. A little crazy. Indus will catch you. What? Oh. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> but I gave my life. Me? Ah, shut up, your daddy did that.
double get away from here. I can't believe it's after. It's the last episode.